listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Oh, friends, prepare your heart. What a power-packed episode we have today. We're back in our COVID confessions series. We're hearing from real women who run on mission, finding out what their lives are like, what God is teaching them, what they're taking from this season and bringing with them into the next. Today, we are talking to Ariana Rivera. She is a powerhouse preacher for the gospel. She is such an encourager. You are going to absolutely want to take notes, rewind this episode and listen to it again. She's a blessing. You'll be blessed. I pray it encourages you and empowers you and helps you feel equipped to love others, to serve others, to use what you've got for the glory of God and the good of others right now. Hey friends, I am so blessed today to get to, get to see my friend for the first time face to face. This is our first encounter not on the internet and I'm super, super grateful for you guys to meet my friend Ari. And for do you prefer Ari or Ariana? Ariana. Ariana. Okay, see, so I think need the R like a D. If that's the way to do it. Ariana. That's it. There we go. I love mm-hmm. that. I'm so glad we get to talk today. Thank you for just jumping in and sharing your life with us. I'm so excited to be here. I I could go on and on, um, but it's an honor. And hey, it gives us something fun to do while stuck at home. So yeah. I'm I'm good with that. You're not kidding. When people ask me who I like to follow online, if I was giving like a handful of names, yours, your name is at the top. Like I love God in you. I love what you share. I love your words. I love your face. I love everything about you. <laughs> so just tell us a little bit about your life and what it looks like. Um, sure. I am Ariana. I am a wife. I'm a daughter. Um, I was born in church and raised there. I'm the daughter of pastors, the granddaughter of pastors. Um, My little sister is a pastor. A lot of my friends are ministers. Grew up not so much just in church, but with church in that when I was brought into the church, there were like 70 members. By the time I turned 30 and I was moving away, my church is multi-campus. Wow. Um, thousands upon thousands of people all around the city of Chicago and with a network of churches around the country. So there's that. And that's a huge part of my life is trying to become who I'm supposed to be as an individual, along with a growing ministry that takes a lot of attention from your family. And then there's growing up in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for you as a 14-year-old kind of figuring out who you are in the midst of this life in a fishbowl of people who love you and adore you, but also feel a sort of sense of responsibility to you. Like you're kind of there. It's their right to raise you alongside your parents. And what is that like? Um, That's, that's a huge part of my story. And I finally love that part of my story. Yeah. Took me a long time, but, but I love it now. And I see God throughout it. So that that's a huge part of my life. I just moved from Chicago to the Nashville area with my husband six months ago yesterday. Wow. Um, it was the anniversary of leaving. I work in full-time ministry now, not as a minister, but 
I plan events for a large Christian humanitarian organization. That's my way of Mm -hmm. being in the family business for right now. And my little tiny corner, you know, of the internet where I, I wield some influence, I did women's ministry and taught and led groups of women for 10 years at my church before I left. And so women are a huge part of my heart. PKs, pastors, kids are a huge part of my heart. But I think all of that, to sum up, my, my heart, I think, belongs to people who don't like their life and are looking out and around to see what God has done in someone else's life happen to them. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's the hope of my heart is to be a friend to that person and to really expose them through my own life and my yeah. own reflection that God was good the whole time. He, he was good even before I thought. Yeah, I love that. Okay, talk a little bit about the, the shift to Nashville because not only is it such an incredibly tender time in our country, it's been a really tender time for Nashville. And was this like the first big move for you in a while or first big move ever? Were you, did you grow up in Chicago? I did. I spent my whole three years there. So it was a huge deal. Like, like talk, like seismic shift for you, for your church, for your family, for your friends. It is, it's been a monster. It's something that I knew was coming eventually and something that I hoped was coming eventually. I love home and I love everything about it. I love the city of Chicago. There will never be a city that can top it as a favorite for me. But I, as a young girl, I want to say like pre-12 years old, I always had my eyes set on other things. I loved home and I want to invest in it and be a part of the ministry there while I grew up. But there was always this weird difference between me and my sister. It's just the two of us. She's younger. And when my father would talk about the future when I was little, it was always like future Christmases. And then Adriana will come in from out of town and, you know, her and her family will join us back here. I never talked about moving when I was a little girl. That was something that just kind of came out of he and my mom was that I would be coming back. They never said that about my sister, Um, but that was something they said about me. I want to say like as young as eight, I can remember those. And then finally got old enough to say, bah, why? Like, why do you talk about me in that way? Even though at that point I had dreams of moving away. Like, why, why is that? And he said, because you're bigger than this city. You're, you're, you're bigger than this city. I didn't know what that meant for like a really long time. Fast forward, I'm in my later half of my 20s. My life was not what I thought that it was going to be. I thought I would be married by 24. I thought I'd have kids by 26. I suffered a horrifying breakup in my early 20s of a relationship that was almost five years long. So I thought that was it. I was in all of my friends that I grew up with are already on their second kids. They've been married seven years. So I was a bridesmaid a hundred times, you know, in that part of my life. And my later 20s are coming and I'm still in Chicago. And God is, is gracious in that he's so patient. But this was always something that was going to happen and needed to happen in my life. But along the way, he gave me gifts. I'm going to give you this ministry to work on. And I'm going to give you this opportunity. And I'm going to allow you to grow in this. And you can teach at this women's retreat. And you can speak at this conference. And I got to do those things at home. So I really did continue to grow. But I feel a lot of those things were just kind of biding time. Mm -hmm. And then in the midst of a hard, a really hard season, I had left my job 
to open a retail shop, resale, thrift, um, for friends of mine who run a nonprofit. And I, I left my management in retail um, where I was growing and I had a future. And I left it and I said, sure. And then the grant, I was supposed to pay my salary that year tanked and I agreed to do it for free. And that was hard. And I'm living with my parents and all my friends are living their lives and growing their families. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And my husband, who I've known since I was a kid, has always been a friend of mine. And at that point, we were just kind of distant friends, hadn't hung out in a long time. He started helping and volunteering at this, this shop with me, asking how he could help. I'm like, why are you like hanging around? What are you like, what are you doing here? He's a musician and he's been on tour, you know, a few times when we were in college and I'm like, what are you doing at home for so long? You're never here. He had taken a part-time gig at the church helping because they were going to produce an album. And so he was there. And our first lunch date, he asked what I thought about moving away from Chicago. And that was kind of this dream that I had just, my life is, isn't going the direction I thought anyway. Yeah. So I, well, you know, I'd be open. I think at some point we weren't even boyfriend and girlfriend, you know, but he, he like noticed something about me that he had too. And it was a desire for something different. And then a couple years later, we got married and a year ago had a hard conversation on a vacation. Like, are we going to do that? Remember when we talked about that? Yeah. Or are we going to stay? Are we going to stay and be comfortable? And we argued about it for a while. I was terrified of leaving. I thought I fought so hard to be taken seriously in ministry. I fought so hard to be a, a, a woman, a leader, a teacher. And I, I've fought that battle for 10 years. I finally feel like I've earned a space and a seat. And you want to move away now. No way. What if I leave and it takes another 10 years? Right. No way. I, I built I built kind of a reputation. And he said, you know, we could stay and we would have a good life. But I think we'll always be wondering how much bigger God would have been from further away. Mm. And that was it. We made the decision that day. He said that sentence. And I was like, you know what? How much bigger is God going to get the further we get away from our comfort zone? Wow. You know, let's go. And, and we left. And and God is big. And he's proven big. Um, he's proven crazy and just so intentional. You know, leaving, it was half just leaving, which was for me. It was, you have to just get away. You have to see what else is out there. You have to expand your mind. I think growing up in church, we hear all the time that to believe that God is big, right? Is you have to tell your problem how big your God is, you know, not the other way around. And we love phrases like that in the church. But I don't know that I was ever encouraged to behave like God was big in church just to believe it. And leaving everything you've ever known behind is behaving like God is big. And, and I had to do it. And then when you behave like God is big, he'll start behaving big. Yeah. It, you'll it, it's a shift. It's a perspective kind of change. I just wanted to go. My husband chose Nashville because he's a musician and works professionally in music and thought, you know, this is going to be great. I'll pick up some tours. I'll work with some artists. We leave. I get a job. I'm on the road all the time. Coronavirus. Guess who has no gigs, right? musicians guess what's not happening concerts conferences church services right. um all of those things and you're like okay lord what i'm buckling down i'm alone at home we're we're here what is it that you need and what is, is it that you want from us 
just thinking yesterday, noticing it was our six month anniversary of having left, just like, well, this isn't what we thought this would yeah. look like, at least yeah. not for now, but God's provision is real. And it's a moment to pause and dig deep rather than dig around looking for more God. It's, mm. it's time to just kind of dig deeper and say, he's already here. Um, how deep do I have to go to see more of him and hear more of him? So good. I love that. I mean, I hate it for us, for all of us that are like a little uncomfortable right now or wildly uncomfortable or walking through deep grief. But I love when he shows up and when he's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm, I'm kind of the prize. Like I'm kind of the, I'm kind of the best thing you ever had. Man, what a story. I love hearing that. So what is he been teaching you in the season? Like what's he been showing you and showing you about himself? One, I think the biggest kind of revelation I've had in this time is that I rarely learn lessons about God by looking ahead. Mm. Everything I've ever learned about God is because I've taken a season and a step to turn around and be reminded of what he has done. Yeah. And in a time like this where we we don't know what ahead even is, uh, my work and my full-time job, I travel 50% of the time. I'm managing events at churches all over the country. In the month of February, just before this, I spent more than half of the month away than I was in my actual house. So now taking a look at, okay, when can we go back into our offices, isn't really saying when am I going back to work like normal? Right. Because I won't be traveling like that for a long time. When are churches churches going to be open for events again? When so there we have to hold that look ahead already with an open hand because we don't know what it is or what it means. So when there's no kind of I don't want to say hope, but when there isn't anything solid to grasp onto in the future, we have to become people who remember. We have to become people who memorialize and who rest in what God has already done. This is how we can be a patient people. This is how we exercise that muscle. This is how that fruit continues to grow in us. Santa Cena, Holy Communion in English, is that it's a time to remember. It's a time to appropriate the greatest thing that's ever happened to us in the death and resurrection of Christ and a moment to you know, kind of dwell in the blessed hope that we'll get to do this with him in the future. But for now, I don't have the future. What I have is the remembrance. And so it's a time of reflecting. It's journaling. It's looking back through things I've already written, writing, but also looking back at things I've already written, going back through the notes on my phone when I jot things down or posts that I saved on Instagram, looking back at my own Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, which encourages the heck out of me sometimes because it's like, I got nothing to say today. But I am mostly a person who has something to say. And maybe one of those things is good for today. So what what can I do? So it's really going back and reflecting on what God has already done. That's how I can know that in this season, I don't have to be afraid that provision is not coming. Um, When I think, what was it? Two months before I got married, my husband and I were eloping. So no one knew that like a, a wedding was coming. Two months before I got Lickle for my job, they were sizing down at a small nonprofit in Chicago. Two months before I was about to move out of my house and go on this beautiful honeymoon and, and be married. And I stayed unemployed other than a part-time gig, kind of helping my church with events. I stayed unemployed for the first 10 months that I was married. 
and that's not what I expected. That was a slow season. It was a 10 month long slumber party, right? Of like, what can we binge? What can we watch? Whose account can we sign into, right? Because we don't even have all of that yet. Just as newlyweds. And we're older newlyweds than a lot of our friends had been. So I could have just felt shame that this isn't what I thought it was. I thought we were just going to adventure all year. I thought that this, you know, this was just going to be this honeymoon time, but it wasn't. And that was one of the best, richest seasons of my life as a believer. I did more reading than I had ever done. I opened my Bible more than I had ever done. And this is a grown up in church. I read my Bible. I know it really well, read the books, teach the teachings already at that point in my life. Yeah. But because I had time, God had time. Yeah. And, and I had to see it as that. I was devastated crying to one of my pastors in that time, like, why am I not finding a job? I'm equipped. I'm gifted. My resume, my references. And she said, Ayana, you've been given a gift. Yeah. Stop trying to rewrap it. Oof. And I was like, okay, cool. So I know better now after that yeah. season. I know much better. And in a time like this where... It looks crazy. At the very beginning, I thought, I've been here before, and it's in these times where God does phenomenal work in me. That might not feel right for everyone. There's misery in a lot of ways in this season, communities that are facing it in a different way, um, people groups that are facing it in a different way, people who work different jobs who are facing it in a different way. Friends of mine have been laid off and let go, you know, by the grace of God, I'm not in that position right now, and I get to work from home. But I was able to look ahead at the season and say, this feels a little familiar to me. So I know to make the most of it. How can I encourage others to do the same thing? And it's always going to be to look back. It's always going to be to say, what, what feels a little familiar to you in this season? What was slow? What didn't go the way that you wanted? What was the year where your planner was felt like a wasted investment? Um, <laughs> and what did God do in that year? And for yeah. some, they're going to say nothing. What could God have done in that year had we allowed him and created the space? So it's really been that to dig deep and to enjoy and to take the time to reflect. And reflection always inspires something for the future. heard me talk about how much I love seeing a licensed Christian counselor if you've listened to the podcast for long and I'm really excited today to tell you about a new partnership that we have. We have partnered with FaithfulCounseling.com to get you an incredible discount on your first month. If you need to speak with someone in this season, they have over 3,000 licensed counselors across the U.S. that are available for video chat or phone sessions or even texting sessions so that you can get licensed, professional, faith-based counseling right where you're at. They work with women who are struggling with depression or stress or anxiety, sleeping issues, crisis of faith, trauma, family conflicts, and they don't just work with women. So if you need to tell a man in your life about this service, we want you to absolutely. They have financial aid available for those who qualify and need help. It's convenient. It's professional. It's safe. It's secure. And again, it's all faith-based. I want to encourage you to go to faithfulcounseling.com com slash go and tell to get 10% off your first month if this sounds like something you need. 
about this memory. I have this memory of a really rough season in our life where we were super financially struggling. God's just been bringing it to mind this entire pandemic. And it was this one day where I was driving and we had, we had a bunch of little kids at the time and I was driving home and I had the like full, like understanding that I, I, did not have enough money to leave my house again. Like there wouldn't be enough gas money to leave the house again. And I didn't know when there would be more money coming in. It was like, I'm driving home and I don't really know when I'm going to leave again. And this was, this was like 2010 ish. And so it, our life was really simple. Nick and I shared a car, we shared a laptop and we shared a cell phone. So like, it wasn't just like I was going home and I could watch a bunch of Netflix. Like it was like, I was going home and like, you know, my kids would watch PBS and we'd hang out at home and that's what we would do. And I remember, you know, feeling a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety about our finances. And I will just never forget where I was at when we were driving. And I just perceived God saying, act like the relief is on the way. Like, just go ahead and act like, act like I'm going to solve this problem because you know that I am. And my gift to you is that you don't have to wait until you see it worked out to act relieved. And I've been thinking about that this entire pandemic. I just feel like he's been saying like, are you going to act relieved? Like you can do both. You can grieve for people and you can mourn with those who mourn and you can carry heavy burdens. And you can also trust that I am working out more good for the people that I love than, than you could ever imagine. Like the relief is on the way. Even if, even if for some people it's like eternal relief. And I've been thinking a lot about that. That's been my like, go back to like, what do, what do we already know here? We are, we've done this before. Like, what did we learn? We can act like relief is on the way. And that's when I love that. I, I feel like every time I look back in my own life, every time I feel that God stripped something away from me, I was given more than my hands could carry. Right. And this I feel, and you'll hear anyone say Something was taken away. A freedom to, was taken away. A vacation was taken away. A graduation was taken away. The opportunity to grieve, you know, was taken away. I lost a, a lifelong friend of mine, mm -hmm. I think, in the first week of stay-at-home orders, uh, 29 years old, and died after a battle with brain cancer. Mm -hmm. And one, we're not in Chicago, where our friends are. Right. And we had to mourn alone at home. And they couldn't have a full service for her. We had to do it over YouTube, you know, thank mm. God for the resources that we have. Yeah. But those things are being stripped away from people. So much has been stripped away. And I think I remember back to after my, my breakup, you know, in my earlier 20s, this relationship that I had all these kind of hopes and dreams for. And then all of a sudden it explodes and it's over. And that's not what God wanted. Um, and I felt that something was taken away from me. And it's not only the relationship, right? It's the future that you thought you had. Yeah. All these things are, are taken away. And directly after that, I will say this relationship had to end, right? Mm -hmm. Now that I'm past it, I could say, thank God. Thank God. It, it wasn't the right thing for forever. And it ended when it did. And I'm grateful. But in the moment, you don't feel that. And I remember as soon as it was done, it was spring. The first week of summer, I was asked to preach for the first time. Hmm. And that was a desire I had had for years, yeah. years. I had it years. I asked for it years. I said, I can do this. I'm good. I'm good at devotions. I'm good at this. I can do 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Give me the chance to preach a word. Like I want it so badly. 
my mother was a women's director at the time and she kept saying no I'm like mommy come on you know you raised me <laughs> you and you guys you know let me do it and at that point our you know our, our senior pastor was making the final decisions for teaching and requested that I be added and in the moment I don't see the connection I didn't see that that relationship had to go yeah. in order for me to be someone who could take a pulpit in purity and preach a word. I didn't see it. But I look back now and thought, God, you took away this thing that I had thought I had all this value. And it was so that you could bestow upon me a real value and dignity in being someone who could preach a word on your behalf thank you so much for taking it away. Yeah. And right now that things feel stripped, that we feel brokenhearted, that we're nervous, that some things will never go back to the way that they used to be, that we mm -hmm. may never go back to our jobs in the way that they used to look. Sure. Uh, we may not go back to our finances the way they used to look, you know, six yeah. months from now. It might take a couple of years to, to kind of bounce back from the effects of this situation on us as individuals, as families, as marriages. What is it that God wants to place in our hands now that would have been too heavy then? That's what I want to see, be waiting for, and listening for. Mm -hmm. There is something right now. And, and I, I say this just in complete faith and like pre-congratulations. The amount of books that are going to be written and published mm -hmm. because people had time in this season, mm -hmm. the kingdom is going to be all shaken up. Yeah. And I'm so excited for the women that have had the time. I'm yeah. so excited for the men that have had the time. I'm so blessed to know that my friends and loved ones with spouses who are unsaved are sitting through church on Sundays because church is happening on the television. Come on. Yeah. Right? Like maybe, maybe it couldn't happen before. Maybe we were leaving for church and that was getting in the way of reconciliation in the family. Come on. Maybe there's a teenager who is miserable at church and hates it they're awkward they don't want to be in the youth group they don't know how to sit down they don't know but maybe yeah. they can hear the word in a private space and way right now in the comfort of their own home next to their mom and their dad and their siblings who are going to love them and answer their questions tenderly right and they're saved today right they wouldn't have been otherwise god wants to give us good things and it's the veil on our own eyes that we can push to the side in a season like this that can get in the way. It can be us wanting to see a specific thing, wanting things to end in a certain timeline. But whenever God listens to me, I have the opportunity to mess things up. I'm, I'm so glad that he doesn't listen to me and, yeah. and that he forces my hand at being patient and being reflective. Yeah. Here's one thing I want to say. I mean, come on, that's, that's, that's 18 sermons in one. So I'm super grateful for that. <laughs> Number two, I just want to extend this for anyone who's listening. If you're listening to Adiana and you're thinking, I don't feel that way. I don't have that perspective. You know, maybe I look back and I feel sad or regretful, or I feel like my life isn't as great as it used to be. I don't, I don't feel reflective. I don't see the hand of God. I don't see the faithfulness of God. I just want to say this invitation to you. You do not have to have this perspective, but you could, but you get to, but asking God, give me eyes to see, give me ears to hear, give me a kingdom perspective on not just my today, but my yesterday and my 10 years from now. And, and even a kingdom perspective on my future that says, I cannot perceive this. I cannot understand it, but I can trust some, some true things about you 
to continue to be true. I just want to invite you into that. If any, if anybody hears her words and her wisdom and thinks like, mm, must be nice. Like it, it is so nice, but it's a gift from God that we all have access to, to just, to just ask for his perspective. And I'm super grateful to have heard your heart about it. And it's one that I will say, it's one that you, you can reach out for with intention. Cool. Um, and that there was, this is not how I have always felt or dealt, mm-hmm. you know, with things. Yeah. And you could hear growing up in church, pastor's daughter, you can assume a lot of things, right? Like, yeah. like there was something that happened rightly at the very beginning that set me up to think this way at this point in my life. And while that's probably true, you know, in some soft ways, um, I spent most of my life completely jaded and it, it took work on my own behalf, not yep. my parents or family or church right. or leaders or loved ones. Um, it took my hand to kind of create this space. Hmm. And what does that mean? And how does it work specifically, right? What's a tangible way that we can try our hand at thinking this way? The greatest change took place in my life as a Christian most recently in just the past couple of years when I decided to take the word and consume it for myself. Yeah. When I decided that, because here's the thing, I've been talking to my parents about this as, as our church are, is creating content, right? Everyone's creating content and putting it out there. This sermon, this devotional, this worship time at noon every day, everything, all beautiful, great things because the church is pivoting and I'm so proud of it, right? I'm a local church girl. I, yeah. I'm so praying for every pastor that is having to pivot in this time and provide something they didn't have to before. Yeah. But there's a responsibility as an individual and yeah. as a believer to take the word for me and sort through it for me. And when I did that a couple years ago, I became a podcast listener while I was unemployed. Mm -hmm. And I listened to every podcast by every person. And I took notes and I listened to stories. And I'm listening to Christian podcasts and women's podcasts an entrepreneur podcast, because I'm, I don't know what my life is going to look like. You know, once I find a job, what kind of job am I going to have settled for whatever the case may be? I'm a new wife. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to consume all, all the good things because they were good things. Yeah. And I listened to one podcast, Emily P. Freeman, and she told us to stop collecting gurus. And that line stuck out to me because I remember after every podcast, Jess, I went to my husband, I would listen to him done mostly in the shower. And I would come out my husband's cooking dinner and I would come to the kitchen like, Erin, let me tell you what so-and-so's life, what happened in her life. And then she became an author and a speaker and met her husband and man of her dreams. And, and, and I always finished with, I wonder when that's going to happen for me. Hmm. I wonder when that's going to be mine. And that, and I lived in that for a long time of when is it going to be mine? And then I heard that her say that sentence to stop collecting gurus. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. I have been looking at everyone else's life. And when all we do is spend time in someone else's word and story, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a place and a space for it. As sure. supplemental work to the work of God in his own words. Yeah. But when we spend all of our time there, because that's what everyone's consuming, and that might be what's easiest to consume, mm-hmm. because it's in our own native languages, right? When that's all that we're doing, all we're doing is looking around for situations that we're hoping God will apply to our lives, rather than begging him for the unique intentional creativity that he wants for me, Adiana. 
Mm-hmm. So I took a break when I stopped reading and I stopped listening to some podcasts and I said, all right, I'm diving in. I'm going to read my Bible every single day. And I took the route of, I'm going to just read it. I'm not going to use devotionals. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I know how to read the Bible. I'm going to check off three chapters this day, three chapters this, this day. And I'm not going to look for myself in the word, which I also think is problematic in a lot of ways sometimes mm-hmm. is, well, this is King David's life. And I feel just like King David, right? Yeah. Instead, I decided to read the Old Testament and look for God. Mm. And we're so afraid, I think, of looking for God subconsciously yeah. because we think the more we learn about the Father, the less we'll like ourselves and the harder it will be to operate in the kingdom mm-hmm. because we think that it'll create this chasm between us and the Holy Almighty, yeah. Father God. And what I learned right away, just chapters thin was, I feel better about me understanding him. Mm. I like me better. Mm-hmm. If he, he's this good and he's this gracious. I remember reading through the prophets and it's just like, oh, God is angry. Oh, God, the wrath of God and all of this. And at the end of every one of those stories, yeah. it sums up with, but I'm leaving a remnant. Yeah. And that, and I learned the character of God in that mm-hmm. time, reading the Bible for myself. Yeah. And I will, I will shout this from the rooftops for every friend, every loved one, every woman who reaches out to me is like, you need to get on board with learning the word for you, for studying it for you, because there's something for you there. Yeah. And it's in that, that I'm able to look back at my own life because I'm not applying someone else's story to my life because it's right. not going to look the same. Yeah. No one's going to look back in their life and see the provision that God has for me, Adiana and Aaron and my family. We can only look back and see the things of God if we're looking for God rather than the stories of others. A hundred percent. And I feel like I have a better grasp now than I did growing up of who the father was and his desires for his children. And when I see those, then it's little tiny things that I look back and I notice. I notice the hand of God because mm-hmm. I know the hand of God because I can see it and I can recognize it. And I only can know that by knowing and consuming the word. That's the only yeah. way. It isn't yeah. going to be by listening to everyone else's story. Right. Um, it's going to be by speaking God for ourselves. So that in little things, I, I look at our situation now, We this big calendar that you can see behind me, but no one will be able to see it on, on the podcast. I have this giant wall calendar that I created this year because I'd be traveling and my husband would be traveling with all these beautiful post-it colors. It was gorgeous, Jess. Oh my gosh, I loved it. And we had to take them down because we won't be doing that traveling for the year. And it was heartbreaking and thought, well, let's make this a, a financial calendar, a debt repayment, right? Let's, let's color code and when can we pay this off and let's do the debt snowball and all these beautiful things. And I'm reading all these things about debt repayment and all these ways to get my finances in order. And I'm so broken hearted for the stories I'm reading of people being on this journey with debt that I don't have. I don't have student loans. And in that tiny little, I don't have student loans, I see the hand of God Mm. because I know him because I know that he's always preparing the way he's always prepared to make something work out for our good. Mm. I didn't grow up in a wealthy wealthy family. My mother was the first person to go to college, first person to then get a graduate degree. My father, after 20 years of his first college class, went back to school and got his degree. He had already been a full-time minister because, hey, the anointing is the anointing, you know, and we went with that um, at the church. But I say that all to say that I look at this moment in my life right now, and I see that because my mom worked at my university, 
my university was paid and today I don't have to deal with that. Mm. And that feels like it was an old blessing. Yeah. But that happened a long time. Well, thank God at 19, I didn't have to fill out financial aid forms. No, thank God today at 30 in the midst of the right. coronavirus right. that I don't have to worry about student loan payments. Yeah. That seems silly and it seems dumb. It's not. Right. Those are the things I'm talking about, looking back and seeing so the hand good. of God, the fingerprint of him in our lives. If we knew him, we would notice him. So good. Knowing him is going to make all of the difference as we move ahead, as we look ahead. And if we only have two weeks left stuck in this house, two weeks, right? Before we can go outside without shame. <laughs> um, uh, just a few months, right? Before we can go outside without masks. I would yeah. encourage everyone, everyone, five minutes of the day in the word more. Amen. 10 minutes of the day. And if you're like, man, I feel horrible because there's no minutes, no minutes in the word every day. That's okay. Yep. Because two minutes in the word is already more than what you've been doing. Right. And right. we can find the two minutes. We can do it. That's what I hope of this season is that we would know God better yeah. um, because we, we were kind of separated from each other in this time. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend, so much. We are so grateful for you. We're so grateful for your wisdom. We're cheering you on and we're listening and following you as you follow him. Thank you so much. Thank you.